0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Upcast for this week. We're just gonna watch a bunch more fucking movies. That's right. I, I, I've moved the the Disney movie bonus episodes into the, the mainline podcast for a little while. Um, reason being is that I want this off my plate. I want, I want this stupid un- project that I've undertaken done. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I took it upon myself to witness every animated movie on disney plus they keep adding things to the list so this might be a sisyphalian task but i actually am getting pretty close to the end of this um so basically as i like what the what the cutoff is going to be is like when i watch the last movie on disney plus that's where it ends and then i'll just you know if they add anything new i'll just watch that as it comes out um but we got another big chunk of movies here we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven movies to talk about this week. I do not remember what movies we talked about in this episode. It has been literal months since this actual podcast was recorded because wouldn't you know it? Doing podcasts where I watch multiple movies take a while to make. That's it's shocking. I know, I know, I know. I'm surprised too. Um, but we're doing something a little bit different here. Um, and I hope you all enjoy it. And if you like it, well, hey, swing on over to Patreon and become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash goingupcast. I would very much appreciate that. Um, I actually have a couple of videos to go up on the Patreon website. I should probably take care of those because they're made. I just need to upload them. Um, so I'll do that. A video will go up this week. You have my you have my wood on that one. Um, also, uh, just real quick side note, I got my first vaccine shot and my shoulder hurts like a motherfucker. I got Moderna in case anybody was wondering. Um. Yeah, I didn't do any really research prior to it because I knew I wouldn't really have a choice in the matter which one I got, so I didn't really care um, as long as it wasn't the one that caused my blood to clot, so I was pretty happy with that, but that's enough of me talking about uh, bullshit life stuff that nobody cares about, let's talk about some fucking Disney movies Sword in the Stone Ugh. it's early in the morning Sword in the Stone another Wolfgang Reetherman movie from 1963. I said that with no confidence whatsoever. It's from sometime. At some point in Disney's history, they came out with The Sword in the Stone, which is based off the book, The Sword in the Stone, which is inspired by the T.H. White story, The Once and Future King, which is the original king arthur mythos with merlin and guinevere and lancelot and the knights at the round table and all that jazz Once the future king is a really good book and the sword of the stone is primarily focused on the first part of that book there are there are technically five parts to that book but the fifth part is garbage so don't worry about it it's really just a four-part book it's a massive tome i think it's like a thousand pages and the first part of the Once a Future King deals with King Arthur um basically learning from Merlin and turning into a bunch of animals, including like ants and shit. Um and that's basically what the Sword and Stone is. Um is, is his air quotes education before he becomes King of England. Um and then the rest of the book is basically the love story of Lancelot and Guinevere and all that jazz. Um if you want to watch a uh Basically you watch The Sword and the Stone for the first bit and then you watch Camelot for the rest of it and then you got it. You get the you get the whole fucking story in those two pieces of media. The Sword in the Stone is fine. Um like I like Merlin a lot. I'm a I'm a sucker for this story. Um King Arthur and the Round Tables. I I love that story. Um Merlin is a character uh is one of the the linchpin characters in one of my all-time favorite books franchises, which is, like, The Great Tree of Avalon Books and The Lost Years of Merlin, all written by T.A. Barron. Uh, and they all link together. It's, like, a 13 book series across, like, different trilogies and stuff like that. It's really good. Um, so I'm very familiar with this story. Um, and, I mean, like, animation is good. It's got some fun songs. Madam Mim is just entertaining, if a bit strange to kind of throw in the movie out of nowhere. Um, it's been a while since I've read these books, but I do not recall Madame Mim being a character. I could be wrong. I think it was more like Morgan Le Fay um, more often than not, but perhaps I'm wrong, which is definitely possible because it's early in the morning and I'm very sleepy. Hey, this movie gets like, I th- I'll give it a six um, out of 10. It's, it's slightly above average in my opinion, but that could just be because I'm such a sucker for this story. Um, and that it's, it's pretty straightforward and it's also really low stakes. Like, nothing really too, like, on the edge of your seat happens in this movie. It's just kind of like a fine romp. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty good Disney stuff right there. So, gets a, gets a solid 6 out of 10 for Sword in the Stone. Honest to God, if I had to pick between this and, like, Black Cauldron, which is the other, like, really, um, high fantasy sword and shield movie that disney did um i think black cauldron is objectively a worse film but i think i prefer it because there's just a bit more going on like sword and the stone is a solid six and it, it picks its lane and it stays there the entire time it never really goes anywhere too extreme or does anything too out there black cauldron has you know like the fucking skeleton king or whatever his name is and the music's awesome in black cauldron even if, like, Gertie is the fucking worst and all of the characters in that movie are, like, cardboard cutouts and have no personality, but, you know. I don't know. It's just... It's, it's interesting to, to compare the two for me because they're both uh, really popular fantasy stories that were adapted by Disney, and I think Sword in the Stone did it, it pretty bang on, and Black Cauldron completely missed the mark. Um, so, yeah. Back and forth between those two. Time to the next one. Raya and the Last Dragon. I caved and spent $30 to see it early, um, then then wait until it, it came out. And um, it's, pretty, it's pretty good, it's gorgeously animated, I mean that goes without saying. Um, Disney has very much figured out how to make good looking movies, I don't think anybody is surprised by that anymore. They've also very much figured out how to make water look amazing, which is awesome. Um, the characters are, are pretty decent. I'm a sucker for any movie where like the party of the movie is slowly gathered um, over the course of the film, like different heroes and like supporting characters are added to the, to the group. Um, it really does play like a D&D story because you like start off in the adventure with you and like a companion and then it's like, oh, you met this person here and they helped you do a thing. So now they're along for the rest of the ride and so on and so forth. And, um, the The characters have really good motivations. Um, I think my favorite character for that was the one from Fang was it Fang or Spine or something I can't remember Benedict Wong's character um, I, I liked his motivation the best because it, it's not really said with words so much I mean he is the last surviving so member of his village but the camera shows that like his family was turned to stone and you see like the crib and his relationship to the to the little baby with the monkeys Um, kind of really showcases that uh, story and I liked that a bit um, the the music's really good. It was James Newton Howard, who also did the music for... Fuck. What did he do the music for? It was, um... He's done it for another Disney movie that I can't remember off the top of my head. But he's, he's good. He's good. He's done good stuff. I think he worked with Hans Zimmer on, like, the Batman Begins soundtracks as well, so... Um, there you go. Uh, what else? The plot itself isn't anything super original or new. Um fractured country has a mythical being there's a dark force on the way hero needs to reunite the country and bring back the mythical beings to banish the dark force there you go and the parallels between this movie and the tv show my little pony is extravagantly obvious that doesn't make a lot of sense it's very strong these parallels You've got dragons who each have their own mystical power, their own special talent, one might say. They're all incredibly colorful, but that's kind of loosey-goosey. The enemy is brought around by humanity's sense of disharmony or discord. And in the end, it's the magic of friendship that saves everybody. They call it, like, they keep emphasizing trust, but it's its friendship. It's its the power of friendship is what is what saved the day so yeah i mean it's it's also got parallels to like guardians of the galaxy and uh kubo and the two strings i think has a a lot of very strong parallels to this movie um it's not bad i mean it gets like a seven out of ten it's it's decent um in terms of like this recent leg of 3D animated Disney movies, like it is better than Wreck It Ralph, and that's about it. Every other one I can think of, like um Tangled and Frozen and all that stuff, um, does kinda eke out over the top of Ryan the Last Dragon. Um so yeah, I mean it's decent. Um only if you're like a diehard Disney fan would I recommend doing the thirty dollar thing. Otherwise you're really not missing out on much. There's not a whole lot to spoil with this movie. Um, so you're really not going to risk like the movie being ruined for you. Um, you'll just be kind of along for the ride uh, on, on that one. Um, there, there are definitely a lot of issues I have with the movie. Uh, but the biggest one I keep going back to is where did she pull the fucking crossbow out of? When you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. But honest to God, where did that crossbow come from? It's huge! Where was she keeping it? Up her ass? Anyway. 7 out of 10 for Ryan the Last Dragon. Let's move on to the next thing. Next movie in this list. 2010's Tangled. The movie that kind of started this whole new uh, phase of 3D animated Disney movies that eventually gave us Frozen and wreck Ralph and Moana and Frozen 2 and all that jazz. was essentially started with Tangled. Um, because what we had before was like the the aughts where we got really terrible 3D movies like Bolt and shit. Um, And then we had Princess and the Frog and there was a bit of a resurgence of like classic fairy tale-esque stories. Um, And then Disney kind of wised up and made Tangled. And Tangled is phenomenal. Um, The music is stunning. The animation is excellent. The the Flynn and Rapunzel characters are phenomenal. Um, I love the mother gothel she's great like it's just it is it is a classic kind of fairy tale story it fits the disney model really well um it ends spectacularly i I just love this movie like up down left right it's it's really fucking good um so let's see i didn't actually think about a rating um that, now, you can tell I enjoy a movie a lot when I ask myself, is there anything wrong with it? Um, wrong? I don't think so. Um, how do I feel about that? Kind of, Kind of thinking. I think I'd call it a 9 on a bad day and a 10 on a good day. And I'm feeling pretty good today, so... Filling filling a ten, um, I don't I don't know I mean, it's it's theatrical parts of it are over the top Maximus the horse is worth like five points on his own therefore yeah I mean, thing thinking thinking ten out of ten I don't think I'd call it a perfect movie which I know seems strange because I'm giving it a perfect score, um but for me for me and my stuff I love this film, um. I I, I love the ups and downs, I love the emotional weight it carries, Um, I love the love story between uh, Eugene and Rapunzel, I think that's all great, and I know that Tangled had a pretty prolific legacy, Um, indeed there's a a second Tangled movie that I've never seen before, so I'm excited to watch that, Um, and then I believe there was a show that lasted a while, I want to say three seasons. Um, let's take a look. Tangled. Um, Rapunzel, so, uh, let's see, there's Tangled, the series' shortcuts, which I'm guessing are, like, little things, and then there's Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure, which did last three seasons from 2017 to 2019, and Tangled Before Ever After, I believe, is the introduction movie, um, uh, to get people set to watch the show, um, so it'll be interesting to see. Now, the, my question is like obviously at the end of Tangled she cuts her hair. Um and you know, that is what happens. And she doesn't have her long magic hair anymore. But I'm looking at the picture for before ever after and she has her long hair, yet she's with Eugene, so I'm guessing some They've they've gotta explain why she has the long hair again, right? Or if it takes place like in the movie, there's not a whole lot of like wiggle room in terms of the timeline of the movie itself. Um so yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I very much do enjoy Tangled and because it basically started a whole slew of it start it started the the current Disney animated spectrum that we have right now, this ongoing um period in Disney history of these these 3D animated movies. So it is pretty iconic in uh in that way. So hell yeah, Tangled. Fucking awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. It is probably, in in terms of the stuff we've gotten today, like, don't get me wrong, I love Frozen, but if you want, like, a a classic fairy tale story that's done the right Disney way, I feel like Tangled is the the best example of that. When it comes to classic princess stories, Tangled is probably my favorite, Um, and I would not consider Frozen to be a classic princess story because of all of the things it does differently to separate it from all the all the predecessors the whole like you can't fall in love with somebody you just met in a day stereotype uh, stereotype that frozen shits on with um what's his face from the set um, of the seven isles um so so from from that point of view like if i were to watch any classic disney princess movie i would pick tangled every time over sleeping beauty over Snow White over all all Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast. I would pick Tangled over all of them any day of the week. So that's why it gets a 10 out of 10. Because it is the best princess movie. Moving on to the next thing in, in in the list. Tangled Before Ever After does kind of take the legs a little bit out from Tangled. Um... And things like growing Rapunzel's hair back. Um, not really undoing the the status understanding of the relationship between Rapunzel and Eugene by the end of the first movie. Because they don't actually get married within the movie. You're just told in the narration at the very end of the movie that eventually they get married. So that's fine. Um, but Before Ever After is a 2D. It looks 2D at least. Uh, animated film designed to set up the um, the new show that came out called like Tangled Rapunzel's Adventure or something like that. I think it ran for three seasons, and it's done in the exact same kind of 2D style as this movie. Uh, what's kind of fun about it uh, is that the original cast came back not only for this straight-to-TV introduction movie to set up, the, uh, fucking new show. But it also had that cast for the show. So that was kind of fun. That was a nice touch. The thing itself is fine. Uh, It introduces a couple of new characters, uh, most notably of Cassandra, who I'm sure is uh, a wonderful character in the show. I've actually heard good things about the show. I just haven't seen it. Um, And based on this movie, it it does look like a, a, you know, your good old-fashioned kind of, action um show with pro- which probably tackles some more adult themes um especially considering that these are definitely adult characters um I mean Rapunzel is canonically uh, at least 18 by the end of Tangled um and this one takes place a couple of months at the very least after Tangled but every time they do like a lantern episode Rapunzel ages a year so if if they ever do because that's on her birthday um, yeah, no, I, I liked it. I mean, it's It's short. It's a TV movie. It's less than an hour. Um, but it sets it up enough that I am almost curious to watch the. Uh, the. the movie or the show itself. So we'll give that one like a 6 out of 10. I mean, it's nowhere as good as Tangled, but it's not nearly as bad as some of the other ones I've had to suffer through. Let's put it that way. Tarzan. The last vestige of the Disney Renaissance era as far as I'm concerned Tarzan came out in 1999 uh yep and has such fantastic vocal performances of the stylings of Rosie O'Donnell and Brian Blessed and Glenn Close Mini Driver Mini Driver probably the best um, don't get me wrong, I like Brian Blessed a lot as... Ker- as Not Kerchak. As William Clayton, I think he's, he's a great villain. Pretty straightforward. Um, Jane Porter, done by Minnie Driver, is probably the best part of the movie. If I'm being honest with you. I'm not a super big Rosie O'Donnell fan. Um, and I'm not really sure that she was really all that big in the late 90s either. Um, so there's that. This movie is such a, in my opinion, missed opportunity. Don't get me wrong, it's good. It's, you know, I wouldn't really cl- call it a classic. Um, parts of this movie are phenomenal. Naturally, the Phil Collins soundtrack fucking makes this movie. And the fact that Phil and Mark uh, Mancini, I believe is his name, double-checking, 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 uh, yep, or Mark Mancina, rather, they worked hand in hand to make the mu- the music for this movie. So while Phil was making the songs, uh, Mark wrote the score, and they worked together to make basically make everything like have the same sort of tone. So the music in this movie is fantastic. It is it is some of the best to come out of a Disney movie. And indeed, if it wasn't for the music, which acts as a, a narration element to this film. For the first, like, ten minutes of the movie, where there is no dialogue spoken, the music carries the fucking story. And if the whole fucking movie was like that, this movie would be perfect, but it isn't. And that's why it's a missed opportunity. The movie starts off all arguably as strong, if not stronger, than every other Disney movie. No dialogue is spoken, yet the story is told to you in an excellent way it is it is a wonderful example of show don't tell because you have characters that for that portion of the movie you you, the audience member don't understand it is just animal grunting and if they did that until the human showed up about 30 minutes into the film I would like this movie a hell of a lot more uh, than I do I'm sure it's some part of like the original canon that Tarzan can speak to the fucking gorillas but if it, if they didn't go that route And they just went with like animal grunts For the whole thing Like maybe Tarzan can still talk to the gorillas But we don't understand what they're saying I think this movie would have been a lot better Wouldn't have been for kids But it would have been better Um And this movie reeks of being for children There's a lot of poop jokes in this movie Um And there's a lot of butt references There's a lot of that shit Uh There's a lot of like wacky kid stuff Um Which I'm not a super big fan of anymore. There's still a decent movie buried in here. Like the final showdown between Clayton and Tarzan. Where Clayton in his own fury cuts the vines to essentially hang himself. Good shit. Really good shit. The relationship between Jane and Tarzan is is nicely developed. Um, I'm a little flabbergasted to see what the fuck these sequels are going to be like. Because we've got Tarzan and Jane. Which presumably takes place after... The movie, and then you have Tarzan 2, which is current which the like the fucking, you know, movie poster of that shows Tarzan as a child. And I I am so fucking not not on board with wacky child Tarzan hijinks. I am not here for that. Um that being said, I mean the music is perfect in this movie. I love the Philip Collins soundtrack. I, I love the, the animation stylings. Disney was onto something and it was too expensive and they, they got rid of it. I can't remember what it's actually called. Let's see if I can quickly scan the um uh, the Wikipedia page here. See if I can animation. Uh, what is it called? It is called um Deep Canvas. Uh, they developed a 3D painting rendering technique known as deep canvas. Technique allows artists to produce CGI backgrounds to look like a traditional painting. Um, and that's how they were able to pull off all of those radical, like, skateboard moments, almost. They even studied, uh, Tony Hawk to see how, like, he moved, uh, in order to figure out how Tarzan, like, moved through the trees while he was, like, sliding down the bark. All of those awesome moments, and a lot of the background stuff, the the, the forest, um, a lot of that stuff was filmed, and it was CG. It was, it was 3D rendered, uh, but it looked like, you know, well, I mean, it looks rendered and CG and all that stuff, but it looked awesome. It looked really cool. And they used this technique one more time for Treasure Planet, and then that was it. So... Um, oh, actually, no, I apologize. They also used it in Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which was the movie that came out after this. So, Three movies, three Disney movies used deep canvas technology until they canned it completely because it was too expensive. Um, but those three movies have this stylized look to them that is weirdly timeless. Like, is it good CG by our standards? You could argue no. But... Stylistically, first this this technique, this this technology, it still looks pretty fucking amazing. And I I lament that it was it was put by the wayside because it was too expensive. I almost want them to like bring it back to make another deep canvas movie um because Tarzan was the first and uh I mean Tarzan does a does a pretty good job. Again, you know, like Tarzan doesn't completely blow me out of the water. It is nice to see a a, a, an old school Disney movie like this that doesn't follow like the the standard um like fairy tale story. I mean, Tarzan is based off of the Edgar Rice Burroughs book, obviously. So I think when it's all said and done, the music plays a big role. If I took the music out of this, I would hate this fucking movie. Cause without the music. It is not very good. But with the music, it's a solid. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I want to emphasize yet again, the mu music, the music is perfect. So the almost all of the positive points for this movie are to the music and mini driver and the deep canvas technology. Outside of that, there's nothing super amazing about this movie, nothing incredible to write home about. Um yeah, I will say that this movie was also directed by Chris Buck, who also worked on Pocahontas and would later go to co-direct Frozen and Frozen 2. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, he's been a part of quite a few Disney movies, indeed. Indeed, quite a few Disney movies. It's kind of fun. Now it's time to wade ankle deep into some shit-ass straight-two video sequels. Tarzan and Jane, the 2002 direct sequel to, uh, Tarzan with, which takes place like a year after the events of the first film is, well, it's bad. I mean, nobody, nobody's gonna fucking sit there and be like, no way. Now hold on Tarzan and Jane though. That's the hidden gem of the Disney vault. Not a fucking chance in hell. It's one of the few movies on this fucking list, especially when it comes to direct sequels, where you can like, kind of look at it and be like... This isn't very well animated, is it? It's not great. I've, I've got it playing on mute right now. And I'm just looking at it just being like... Nah. Nah, it's just... It's it's obviously done... On quite a reduced budget. Which is fair. I mean, this isn't supposed to fucking... Make bank or whatever. And it fucking didn't. Because of course it didn't. Because, you know... Whatever. Um, and in classic direct uh, video sequel tradition for Disney movies. It is your standard three short stories told within a larger narrative, um, which is actually called a frame story. That's what it's called. Uh, You know why I learned that? The Tarzan and Jane Wikipedia article. So a frame story is when you have this, this ongoing idea and then you do the flashback stories, which is really common for these. The best example still, I believe is either once upon a christmas or uh mickey's once upon a christmas or the um cinderella one i enjoyed a lot but every other one is just trash uh and this one's like a pretty weak goddamn premise it's their one year anniversary and jane wants to celebrate it with tarzan but basically every time she goes oh oh i'll throw together a party he loves those then fucking not rosie O'Donnell. i don't know who the fuck who voiced turk April Winchell, who is a really good, uh, voice actress, um, voice actress, sorry, uh, who, uh, has been doing Clarabelle Cow since 1996, so, I do like April, but definitely not Rose O'Donnell, they do their best though, um, comes in and is like, well, don't you remember that one time, and that's the idea for each fucking short story, and like, the next one will be like, well, what about a, like, a gift of jewelry, and then they fucking chime in and go, don't you remember that other time, anyway. That's basically it. Um, I don't know who this is for. Like, if you saw Tarzan and, you know, if you saw Tarzan and you went, you know what would make this better? Some bumbling, dumbass stories that nobody gives two shits about. The fact that this movie has the fucking stones to say that it is based on the Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff is a tremendous insult. Like, it's... It's insane to me that they they tried to pull that move. Because none of these stories are from Rice Burroughs books. Just the names of the characters. Then I'm pretty sure they crap out after Tarzan and Jane, to be perfectly honest with you. And outside of two characters who come back as, um, like... I think they were, I think they're, um, gorillas, honestly. Uh, they they, they come back to, to be in this film. None of the original cast... Returns to be in this movie. That's not to say that the cast of this movie doesn't have good people in it You got Jim Cummings. You got April Winchell. You got Jeff Bennett uh, Gray, Delise Griffin, Tara Strong, Renee Auburn Jonas, uh, Frank Welker, like really excellent voice actors are in this movie It's just none of the original people that matter. So there's really not a whole lot going on in this film to make it worthwhile and in classic straight to Disney movie that kind of sucks I didn't finish it. So, in in standard I didn't finish it tradition, I give it a 0 out of 10 simply because I you can't. I can't sit. It's, it is short. It's only like 70 minutes, but that's still like 70 fucking minutes you're sitting there with bad animation. I'm hoping the next one is better. We're about to find out. Tarzan 2 is... Well, hey, it's way better than Tarzan and Jane um it's at least watchable so there is that however it only still gets the five it gets it gets it gets a five out of ten because it is not super offensive but doesn't do anything too incredible it's as average movies you're likely to find um that mean you know you got to give props that instead of just doing the fucking frame story that Tarzan and Jane did they actually had a narrative here granted it is just the Lion King But it's, you know, there's a story and there's a through line, um, which is always appreciated. But yeah, it is just The Lion King. Tarzan, um, this kid, it's a prequel movie, and he he doesn't fit in with the gorillas for some reason. Oh, it's crazy. And even though Glenn Close and Lance Hendrickson reprise their roles as Colin Kerchak, which is always nice, um... You know, the wise words of Glenn Close can't help Tarzan figure it out. So when a tree falls and everybody thinks Tarzan is dead, he decides that it's better for him not to return to his family. Lion King. And he runs off and finds this guy who lives on his own because he was spurned by the people of his past and says that it's better off being left in the past and that it's better being alone. In this case, played by George Carlin, which was this is the first time he appeared in a Disney movie. He appears in one other Disney movie and that's Cars. So that's fun. Um, but there's your Timon and Pumbaa character, and he teaches Tarzan how to, you know, be a a Zugor, because that's his name. Um, but you know what? It doesn't work out for some reason. Also, there's another trio of gorillas for some reason, who are voiced by Ron Perlman, Brad Garrett, and Estelle Harris from Seinfeld? She's Mrs. Potato Head in Toy Story, so she's there too. Um, vocal performances in this movie are really good, and it has new phil collins songs for tarzan two two new phil collins songs i think um i I think uh i'm pretty sure it's two but i was i was stunned i was like is that fucking phil collins because both this movie and um the other one start with two worlds one family like as like the intro song and they're both done in slightly different styles and i'm just like all right yeah i get it but phil wrote fucking new songs for this shit and i was just like wow that's it's impressive for a straight two, you know, to get Phil Collins. I know. So if you if you ever wondered what it would be like to have more Phil Collins songs for Tarzan, Tarzan 2 has a couple more for you. They're not bad. Um just like how Phil Collins music was the best part of the original Tarzan movie, it's probably the best part of this movie. So there you go. Animation's pretty good. I mean, it's just it's just fairly inoffensive. Um oh also eventually um shit breaks bad with with Timon. And Pumbaa and Tarzan returns to his original family after defeating the, the the air quotes, villain. I mean, it's a really low stakes movie. These villains are basically just kind of bumbling clowns. There's nothing really intimidating or frightening about them. Sabor, the leopard from the first movie, does make an appearance here. But they are also afraid of the Zugor, um, for whatever reason. Yeah, it's fine. It's also really short. It's like 63 minutes long. I know it says an hour and 15 minutes, but 11 of those minutes is the ending credits. It's an insane amount of credits. It is one-seventh this movie's entire runtime. So, yeah. Um, It's fine. It's watchable. It's a 5 out of 10. If you want to see Lion King done badly with, like, three Phil Collins songs, then this is the one for you. Um... But it's it's far from the, the worst straight to video sequel I've seen. Um and indeed if I had to rank them, this would probably be higher up the list simply because most of them are trash. It's not very entertaining or fun, like Bambi 2 or Lion King 2 Simba's Pride, which is probably the best one, um, off the top of my head. But it is it is watchable, and you know what? At the end of the day, that's a victory in and of itself and just kind of makes movies like this make me sad that we're never going to see something like this ever again you know there's not going to be you know there's there's full production sequels there's no straight to video things anymore because those those studios are dead and it makes me sad because sometimes they're okay most of the time they're not but sometimes they are let's move on to something i don't know anything about Probably the king of movies that I noped right the fuck out of, Teacher's Pet, which was a show in like the early aughts. This movie came out in 2004 after the show had ended, I'm pretty sure. Um, I can't get behind that animation style. Even the dulcet tones of motherfucking Nathan Lane. Was he even in the show? I don't know anything about Teacher's Pet. Teacher's Pet Disney. I don't I don't know anything about this. I remember seeing like ads for it when I was a child, but I'm like, that animation looks terrible, so I never watched it, and I'm glad I didn't, because the animation looks terrible. It ran for two seasons, and then it had the fucking movie. Um where's the where's the movie? I just all oh, that's all I care about is the fucking movie. Um God damn it. There it is, there's the film. Uh yeah, Nathan Lane. Who else is in this? Kelsey Grammer, David Ogden Steers, my god. Fucking Disney legend right there. Spinning a bunch of things: uh, Jerry Stiller, Rob Paulson, Wallace Shawn, um, Mae Whitman. Nice. Kevin Michael Richardson. Excellent. Um, yeah, it's and apparently it's a musical. It's got nine songs in it. I can't? I just can't. The they they look terrifying. It started with this weird like Pinocchio thing and the blue fairy. It looks like it looks like a horror movie. Their weird vacant eyes and awful separated teeth, it's not cute. It's terrifying and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So, and they all look like that and it's- I just can't. I can't. I just- I've got other things going on and I don't want to be scared and sit there for like a fucking hour plus spending time with characters I don't know anything about, especially when they look like such fucking garbage. So, absolutely not. No way, Jose. Not watching it. Zero out of ten. Fuck Teacher's Pet. looks terrifying. I don't I don't want any emails. Don't fucking call me and be like, Oh, Teacher's Pet, all right, all right, that's my favorite shit in the whole fucking world. No, you're, it's bad animation. I don't like it. Boo. Boo, Teacher's Pet. Let's watch a Disney classic. Disney classic may have been a strong word for the three caballeros, but it is the... Seventh movie? Seventh animated Disney movie. Um, and it's also the first feature-length film to blend animation with live-action. Which is, you know, that was groundbreaking at the time. It's not done very well, but they did it. So, you know, whatever. It is the... It's basically more of Saludos Amigos. Which is that whole, um... Like, the Goodwill package thing that, um... Disney was doing on behalf of the State Department uh, leading up to World War II, or at least leading up to America's involvement in World War II, um, trying to, you know, go like, hey, Latin America, you're great. Don't join the Nazis, um, is basically what all of this was. Um, and, you know, on some level, I, I, I get it. Um, I don't think Disney's done a goodwill thing like that since, however, this this is like Disney absolutely will make movies and tell stories and have a culture kind of wrap around that. Right? You got it with Moana and the Polynesian culture, Frozen with the Scandinavian cultures, um, Ryan the Last Dragon with Southeast um Asia and cultures, uh, particularly like Vietnam and Cambodia and stuff like that, and Three Caballeros and Sellos Amigos was all about Latin America. Um, and you kinda they they say Latin America but at the end of the day it is mostly Mexico and Brazil so a very large portion the majority of North, Central and South America's Latin population is not really dealt with in these movies um, which is still not great so at least, you know what they do, you know, because you got what Jose, who represents Brazil, and you got Pinchito, who represents Mexico, and so in that area, they're not trying to. I don't think. I don't think they're trying to refer to all of Latin America um, within these movies. They really just kind of fixate on those two, um, those two countries and those two cultures more than anything else. Uh, and unlike say Tarzan and Jane or any of those movies. Even though this movie is comprised of roughly seven different little segments, it doesn't so much feel like they're telling this, like, they're episodes of a show. It's just, like, it's more like movements in a musical or, like, a play, you know? It's, like, it's different scenes and it's different acts. It all loosely ties together, um, but it really does feel like what would happen if, like, Fantasia had, like, you know, was was focused on Latin culture. Um, there's a lot of really bizarre animation. Uh, the music is just a ton of fun. I love the music. Um, it's 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 entertaining. For sure. Um, is it racist? Probably. I mean, when Panchito comes out wearing a sombrero and just firing off pistols. Not great. Not great. And to, and to Disney's credit, they do give you the, hey... Just a quick heads up before you watch this shit. Uh, little racist. Just a little bit. Um, but I absolutely love... I mean, his fucking name is Panchito Pistoles. Um, I love those characters. Like, the the Mexico ride um, in Epcot where you see the three caballeros. And it is that lovely blend of live action and animation on the ride itself. Oh, man. I, I, I fucking love it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, so, yeah. I mean... It's, it's a product of the time, for sure, but it's very entertaining. Um, I, I enjoyed the music. I loved seeing the, the animation. Um, it's hard to have an entire movie where Donald Duck is the main character. and He's, he's kind of... Donald's purpose in this movie is mostly for... Donald represents the, the uh, uh, North American, or I guess the, the United States, audience. That's what Donald represents. Donald is our 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 person who asks all of the questions and gets told all the information. So the audience knows what the fuck is up. That's what Luke Skywalker serves in Star Wars, right? He is our our viewpoint for that world. So everything gets explained to him, and by extension, us. He's our he is the, the touch point for the audience. So we go, what is this part of Brazilian culture? And then Jose will explain it to Donald and then we learn a little something. Um I cannot say, if this movie is accurate in terms of the actual cultural pieces that this movie tries to represent, my money is on yeah, because this was not designed to be insensitive. This was designed to be like, this was an outreach thing. It's basically propaganda is what this is, what this movie is. It was designed to showcase, you know, Latin American culture, um, or at least Mexican and Brazilian culture in a really positive light. Um, so everybody would be like, this is amazing and awesome and something to be enjoyed and celebrated. Um, not something to be, like, ridiculed and mocked. So, my money's on they probably did their homework. There's a fucking documentary, um, called Walt and... What is it called? It's called Walt and El Grupo, um, which is a 2008 documentary all about making this movie, uh, Saludos Amigos, and just, like, The Trip and all the artists and story writers and Walt himself... Who flew all over South America and Central America to like learn these stories, um, and Mexico, uh, and it's you know they did their research. I mean, they they probably did the best they could. It, this premiered in 1944, um, in case anybody was wondering. But yeah, I mean, that's that was that was the point of this. As a movie, it's weird. It definitely doesn't follow like a, a standard narrative structure that one might come to consider from like. Oh, I don't know. Tarzan 2. Tarzan 2 follows a pretty standard narrative structure. You know, it goes, you know, A, B, C, tells the story. Three Caballeros is like a bunch of short stories just kind of stapled together under this loose narrative to Donald opening presents and just learning about the culture. Um, And since that's what it set out to be, it's just a celebration of these cultures and the music and the the people. There's a lot of uh, really famous um, people from that part of the world um at the time that are in this movie so that's that's nice too um i actually prefer this to Saludos amigos because while i liked Saludos amigos or at least i think I, I like it now i don't know what my review was of that particular movie back in the day um but i i, I prefer three caballeros um mostly because panchito was my favorite out of the three and he's only in this one um the first one just has jose and this one has panchito Um, which I thought was, was great. Um, and it's, I think there's actually, there was a show, wasn't there? The Legend of the Three Caballeros. They came out, like, not that long ago. I'm pretty sure they live on in a show. Checking, checking. Yeah, Legend of the Three Caballeros, right there. Ran for one season in 2018. Um, why the fuck is She-Ra on this? They all have swords and spears. What the fuck is this? They're crazy. Um... So, yeah, there was a show. So, I mean, Disney hasn't forgotten about it, but I think I recall hearing somewhere that they may be altering the Mexica ride to make it a little less racially insensitive, which is probably for the best. I mean, they're doing that to all of their rides, which is good because you can't have that stuff anymore. That all being said, everything, everything Ceteris Paribus, um... This movie, for me, I, I really liked it, so it's probably gonna get like a six, six out of ten. Um, it's 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 entertaining, and I've I've seen a couple of these movies today. It's the first movie I can say that was entertaining. Um, so, I would I would I would sooner watch Three Caballeros um, forever than try to watch even thirty more seconds of Teacher's Pet. So, good job. Time to move on to. That's a movie? Alright. The Tigger Movie. The first feature-length Winnie the Pooh movie since the original Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh movie that came out in 1977, which was one of the few perfect movies on my list. I don't think I ever saw the Tigger movie, um, but it's just complete, innocent, adorable fun. Um, it, it centers around, <laughs> you'll never see this one coming. It's all about Tigger. Um, this is, this movie marks the, uh, official transition from the original voice actor of Tigger to Jim Cummings, who has done the voices for Tigger and Winnie the Pooh, um, basically since this. Um, he was doing the voice for Winnie the Pooh for a while. Um, uh, instead of the original person who was Sterling Holloway, I do believe one of the... Old school Disney uh, legends there. Um, it also has the has an original score done by the Sherman Brothers, of all things. And they hadn't scored a Disney movie since goddamn Bedknobs and Broomsticks in 1971 when this movie came out. They came back 28 years later to score the Tigger movie. And it's because of that, exclusively that caused this movie to be a theatrical release rather than a straight-to-video thing that was going to happen because fucking Eisner went, oh my god, the Sherman Brothers can write good music. Who'd have thunk it? Um, And to be fair, the songs in this movie are excellent because it's the fucking Sherman Brothers. Animation's really good. Story's fairly well rehearsed. It is the classic Tigger goes looking for his family. Um, And then, of course, the, the family that he had all along, his friends is the real family, and then he, like appreciates what he has instead of looking for what he doesn't that kind of shit it's that it's that fucking story um he he goes to owl for advice to find his family and owl goes well take a look at my family tree and then tigger goes oh it's a fucking tree i've got to find and of course he can't find a tree and um it's actually kind of heavy at times because like all his friends dress up like tiggers to try to be like hey we're your family and tigger buys it until rue fucks it up and then Tigger gets, like, super fucking sad. Like, he's sad a lot in this movie because he's, like, he thought his friends betrayed him. And they were just trying to help him out. And then he fucking goes out and gets caught in a blizzard. And Rue's like, we gotta go get him. And everybody's like, I don't want to go get him. And then they're like, no, we gotta go get him. And then go get him. And he finds a tree that's stripy because of the snow. And he's, like, almost, like, in tears being like, I gotta stay here. This is where my family's gonna be. And then for like, you know, out of nowhere, almost Christopher Robin shows up and he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And Tigger's like, I want my family. And then he realizes that like Pooh and Rabbit and Piglet and Roo and all the others are his family. Um, It's, it's adorable. Um, It's easily my favorite Winnie the Pooh movie after the original one. So there's that. Um, although I haven't had a bad time watching any of these movies. Um, I think the most forgettable one for me is Piglet's Big Movie. I'm pretty sure they just spend the entire movie just shitting on Piglet. Um, I love the Half-A-Lump one. I thought that was just adorable. Where the fuck is that one? I saw the Half-A-Lump one, right? Yeah, like, um, the Half-A-Lump movie. Is that what it was called? Why can't I remember? There was one with a Half-A-Lump. I watched that one. I, it was good. I liked it. Piglet just just fucking got dumped on. Um, every Which Way to Sunday. Uh, oh, it's Pooh's half a long movie. That's what it was called. Uh, Grand Adventure is meh. And then uh, Tigger movie. It's probably my second favorite. It's, it, it, it feels like, I don't know. Like the original movie technically is a, is a bunch of short stories tying t- together. And I think that's what's great about Winnie the Pooh is that you just have this really solid cast of characters and the problems they encounter don't need to be very complicated. It's basically like, it's built to be slice of life, you know? Pooh's out of honey. Pooh could go on a fucking 40-minute journey for honey, and he's going to talk to every single fucking character. He's going to go up to goddamn Rabbit and be like, Hey, Rabbit, have you you got any honey? And Rabbit's going to be like, No. And it's going to go to Piglet's house, and he's going to be like, Hey, Piglet, you got any honey? And Piglet's going to be like, No. And it's just going to do that over and over and over again. And that's just, you know... It's just nice fucking shit to put on. It doesn't take a lot of mental shit to, you know follow what's happening it's just a pleasant fucking movie seven out of ten tigger movie gets a seven out of ten it it's just it's just nice it's just sweet i like it what more do you want next movie finally this week this episode (sighs) tim burton's the nightmare before christmas 1993 i want to say i have many strong feelings about this movie if you asked me before i rewatched it today i would have told you i hated this movie and the reason i hate this movie is because it's boring it is not a particularly interesting film you can boil it down into a couple of short sentences guy doesn't like halloween guy discovers christmas guy celebrates christmas badly enjoys Halloween again. That's basically the, the the entire crux of the film. However, I like to think that I've matured since the last time I reviewed this movie something like seven years ago. Um, and as a result, my opinions have changed slightly. I actually now consider this movie to be more in the line of, um, what's it called? Uh, it's more like a Gilbert and Sullivan rogers and hammerstein sort of thing this this movie has more songs in it or at least more of the story is told through song than dialogue and you could call that a musical but i, I honestly i would pref- can like i believe this more falls underneath the banner of an opera than a musical because operas are almost entirely like operas are all singing there's, there's almost no dialogue in an opera. A musical has a little bit of dialogue and a little bit of singing, and it's the balance, and then the play usually has no singing whatsoever. Um, and this one definitely is sung more than it's spoken, so I'm kind of leaning towards more in that opera thing. Also, it's way over the top. Like, it's, it's incredibly theatrical. Not only are some singers on here actual Broadway legends, like uh, the voice for Oogie Boogie is... Um, Uh, Ken Page, who, um, was the, the originator of Old Deuteronomy in the, uh, Broadway production of Cats. So, like, pretty, pretty spectacular voices, but of course, the only one ever, anybody ever, like, remembers, um, for this was, uh, Danny Elfman as the singing voice for Jack Skellington, who, uh, like, all of his songs are just so over the top. Um... And, like, yeah, I mean... If, if I just reviewed this movie without rewatching it, I would've been like, Movie sucks. It's boring. I don't like it. It's dumb. 2 out of 10. I'm older now. I'm more mature. These are some really classic songs. And that may be because, you know, these songs have been covered quite a few times. Uh, I'm looking at things like Marilyn Manson's version of This Is Halloween. Um... You know they're they're very prevalent songs. What's this? You know, especially after Disney bought um, the rights to the movie, they fucking pump Nightmare Before Christmas every which way. It's pretty popular. A lot of people really enjoy this movie, and it's it is not bad. It's pretty. I I know I made fun of the the plot of this movie, but it's pretty original. I I. It, it pays homage to a lot of the original Christmas stories, like Rudolph. Um, all those original stop motion things are are paid homage here. Um, you know, it's it definitely has its roots in in Christmas stuff, and it's got its roots in traditional kind of gothic horror stuff. It's got its roots in the opera, um, especially like you know our, a more modernized understanding of opera. Things like Pirates of Panzance or uh, the HMS pinafore, stuff like that are, are really strong influences to this, I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, God, I, I can't believe I flipped script. I was so prepared to hate this movie, but I don't think I do. Um, because there wasn't a song in that movie where I wasn't why I didn't like sit up instantly and go, oh yeah, this one. So the songs stick with you, and since that's pretty much how the entire story is told, it's really important for those songs to land. And they they do, I would say. Oogie Boogie song, that whole sequence, it's like one of the best pieces of animation. Um and I was gonna shit on the stop motion animation for not being very good, which at times it, it isn't, but I think the the relative jank nature of the stop motion actually adds to the 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 kind of air quotes scary nature of the movie. Because there's a really weird, like, kind of stilted movement to a lot of the characters. Like, there wasn't enough movements of, or shots of, like, movement in terms of frames per second in order to make them look smooth. But it just makes them kind of have, like, this weird, like, robotic kind of thing going on. Their movements aren't particularly natural. Um, Although I think they do a pretty good job with Jack. And Jack Skellington, Skellington, or whatever the fuck his name is, um is such an iconic character and so many iconic characters came out of this so yeah i mean it's it's very different from everything else in this list even Frankenweenie, weenie um this is way more entertaining than Frankenweenie. weenie i feel like i would have enjoyed Frankenweenie weenie more if it had the music stylings of the, this fucking movie um at least on paper who the fuck knows um, it's it, it's always interesting to me that it's called Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. It was not directed by Tim Burton. It was directed by Henry Selick. Um, Tim Burton was too busy directing uh, Batman Returns to actually direct this movie, and he didn't want to deal with the the nonsense of stop motion, um, according to all of this stuff. So this was actually the directorial debut of Henry Selick. Um, so that's pretty cool. I think he did a pretty good job, and then he went on to do James and the Giant Beach and Coraline and a bunch of other stop motion movies. So... Yeah, I think I think when the dust settles and the the clouds clear and I look at this movie objectively, which is not something I I've really ever done. I mostly just shit on this movie. I think when it's all said and done, I'd probably give Nightmare before Christmas. I'm thinking a seven. I'm thinking a seven out of ten. There's some things in there that I don't particularly like. Um, Like Sally being like, something's gonna go wrong, Jack. And Jack just being like, shut shut up. Go make my clothes, idiot. But no, it's gonna go wrong. And to Sally's credit, it absolutely does go wrong. Not many Christmas movies end with the goddamn military being called in to shoot down Santa Claus with fucking rail guns. But they did. And they do. And they fucking knock his ass out of the sky. So, that's fun. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I wouldn't call it a classic. I certainly can go a very long... Even though I would say I liked this movie this time, I've spent the vast majority of my life not liking this movie. Um, because I'm a grumpy old man. So it's going to take a while for me to get over that. And and turn around and be like, Tim Burton, like, this movie's alright. Because it is. It is, it is alright. Um, I, I was on the the controversial side for a long time there and um, I think on this viewing I, was, I finally flipped script and was like, you know what? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. I never want to see a sequel or a remake of this movie ever though. I want to state that for the record. I think this is one of those movies where they did a pretty decent job the first time. It does not need anything more it, we already have, like, the merchandise, especially Halloween time at Disney. Are you kidding? They might as well just become Nightmare Before Christmas Park. It's crazy how much they pump this stuff. And it's because outside of this film, Disney doesn't have Halloween stuff. It doesn't. Like, to be spooky and scary doesn't really mesh well with Disney's M.O., you know, you can look at, like, all their animated stuff. There's really not a lot there. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's Frankenweenie, but it's still Tim Burton. So, the, the, like, the next scariest Disney movie I could possibly think... I can't even think of one. Off the top of my head, there's just... there's nothing really that fits it. It's all on its own. <laughs> That's probably why Disney bought it. So... Oh, well. There you go. Thank you all very much for listening to this episode of Disney Movie Reviews. We've got... Quite a few left, something like 30 films. Um, so there's still more to discuss, more to cover. Some incredible movies coming up here pretty soon. And some fucking emotional roller coaster rides. So we're getting to it. Getting closer to the end of this. Each step brings us closer to the end. Thank you all very much for listening. I'll see you all in the next one. Have a good one, guys.